I've got a challenge for you. Some of you are disappointed you don't like challenges. Some of you are very excited and you want to win. <laughs> I want you to think of a word that describes you. So it could be something that you do or something about your personality or something that, something that describes who you are that begins with the same letter as your first name. So, for example, if my name was Sally, I would say super. If my name was Tara, I would say terrific. But my name is Jocelyn, and J words are really hard. So I'm just super terrific. <laughs> are you guys got your word? Do you have a word? All right, I want you to turn around, tell the people around you, introduce yourself, so share your word and your names. Just turn to someone, could be someone you know, share your name. Well, good job. Good job judging by, uh, judging by the conversation. Some of you cheated and you did more than one word. <laughs> Congratulations, you won. <laughs> You're all winners. Good job. Um, this is what we're doing right now, right? We are learning who God is. If you're tracking with us through the book, The Good and Beautiful God, you know that the book is really designed around introducing us to God as maybe Jesus knew him and, and looking at these characteristics that define him. And so um, God is good is what we talked about last week, right? So G and G, he beat us all to it, right? God is good. Um, and uh, this week we're going to talk about God being trustworthy, God being trustworthy. So if you're reading along in the book, that's what you read this week. If you're a little behind, don't worry. Um, uh, if you're not reading the book at all, you're fine too. Um, we're just gonna, we're gonna talk about this idea today that God is trustworthy. As a matter of fact, it's a, it's a challenging one in the sense that it's not uh, specifically used very often in scripture to say that God is trustworthy. It's, it's more often that corollary words are used, right? So that God is faithful or God is steadfast. And so that means that God can be trusted. A faithful person can be trusted. And really the scripture is just set up to give us this picture that every time God introduces himself, every, God, every time God reveals to us who he is, there's an implication and an invitation that we would trust him. So here is God telling, you know, from, from the very beginning stories of scripture, telling people like Noah, this is who I am, I'm your God, and I need you to trust me because you're going to ride out this flood in an ark. Or God coming to Abraham and saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a, a mighty nation. I'm going to make you a blessing to everyone. And those who bless you, I'll bless. And those who curse you, I'll curse you. I will curse. I will make you a blessing to all people. And what's implied in that is that, trust me, I'm going to do this. And throughout Abraham's story, then God, in the, in, towards the end, says, look, I'm going to be good to you because this is who I am. I told you this stuff way back in the beginning. I can't turn my back on it. I'm faithful. I'm reliable. You can trust me. Think about all the other stories of Scripture as, as the people of faith learn that God is true to his word. That he does the things he says that he will do. And so you get Moses on Mount Sinai after he's led the people out of slavery where for three to four hundred years they might have thought, can God be trustworthy because we've been enslaved and here they come to the top of the mountain and God reveals himself there and he says, I'm the Lord. I am merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. 
you can trust me. And as Moses is about to leave his people and they're gonna enter the promised land under the leadership of Joshua, once again, he reminds us in Deuteronomy 7, 9, know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God. So here's God reminding us that he can be trusted. We can rely on him. He is faithful. He'll do the things that he said that he will do. I like the way um, James Bryan Smith in the book that we're reading defined trust this week. Did you guys notice it if if you're following along? He defined trust this way. He said that to trust someone is to believe that he or she has your best interests in mind, that that person will protect you from harm, and that they are reliable. What a great picture of trust. And so the question you and I are gonna wrestle through today is, can that be true of God? Are we the people who have trust in God? Are we the people who hear Deuteronomy 7, 9, where we're told that the Lord is a faithful God who keeps his commandments? Are we the people then who trust in him? I think our society has a crisis of trust right now. Can we trust institutions? Can we trust leaders? Can we trust our news sources? Can we trust the people who are speaking to us? And we have this decision that we're constantly making. Is, is what I'm hearing reliable? Is what I'm hearing true? Is God gonna be, or is this person going to be faithful to what they're saying? So the invitation for you and I, as we turn to Jeremiah 17 this morning, is will we be people who trust in God? So Jeremiah is one of the the major prophets. He's in the Old Testament. If you have your Bible, this is when you want to grab it and turn to chapter 17 of Jeremiah. If you don't reach into that pew in front of you, it's always a great uh, practice to go ahead and look things up in the Bible as we read them together. The question we're going to wrestle with really is, do we see God as trustworthy? Or have we put our trust someplace else? So let's hear these words from scripture, this short little poem that kind of got dropped into the middle of this part of Jeremiah. It's gonna speak to us about trust. This is Jeremiah 17, beginning in verse five. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert, shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Let's pray. God, I pray that even today your Holy Spirit might do the work that he has promised to be transforming us into the likeness of Christ and you might be using the truth of your word to do that in our hearts. May we be a people who trust you and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So we're gonna explore this text. We're just gonna look at three things really quick. We're gonna look at the teaching of the text. We're gonna look at the assumptions that the text makes about trust, so a teaching about trust, assumptions about trust, and then what are some things that we do if we're a trusting people? What are our key behaviors of people who might trust God? So teachings, assumptions, and behaviors. Let's start with teaching. 
Remember the context of Jeremiah. He's a prophet to the, to the southern kingdom, kingdom of Judah right at the end of its history. Uh, in Jeremiah's lifetime, it's going to be destroyed. Jerusalem's going to be ransacked. The temple is going to be torn down. Everything's going to be stolen. And the people are literally going to be marched away in chains to Babylon. And here's God calling Jeremiah to be the person who brings this message to his people and calls on them to turn away from their mistakes, to repent of the ways that they've been living because judgment is coming. And so into this context of of a nation who had been looking all around it for help. And so this nation, they'd been turning to Egypt because Egypt was super strong. And they're like, Egypt, protect us against Babylon. And then they betrayed Egypt and they turned back to Babylon. And they like, Babylon, protect us. Um, And and they betrayed Egypt. And they've been playing all this kind of international power politics. And it was all crumbling around them. They couldn't trust in the things of people. And they had also turned to false gods. They had begun to worship idols alongside the worship of Yahweh. They'd begun, to, they'd begun to integrate kind of the way the nations thought about uh, worship and thought about how the world works. And, and they had been mushing those things together in a way that God was not happy with. And into that comes this poem that says, look, look don't trust in the ways of people. Trust in God alone. But what I think maybe is most interesting about the context, especially for us today, friends, is that this poem is written to God's people. It's not just a general like, observation about human life that some people trust in human things and some people trust in God. This is written to people who claim to belong to God. And to those people comes the warning, don't trust in the things of humans. Don't rely on those things. Don't put your hope in those things. Don't look at those things to protect you and to have your best interest because God is the one you have to trust in. Friends, this poem is written to us. It's written to me. It's with a warning. So did you see the teaching of the text? Look back down at verses five and six. It says that God says, cursed is the man who trusts in man. Those are two different words for man. The last one is uh, Adam has more to do with like mankind. So cursed is the man, the individual man who trusts in the things of human beings. That's not going to end well for him, Jeremiah says. If you make your own human ability your strength, verse 5, and your heart turns away from God, verse 6, you are like a shrub in the desert. There's a way of life that bases its security on human understanding and strength. There's a way of life that bases its sense of good on human values. There's a way of life that bases its understanding of significance on human measurements, and that way is dangerous because it will prove unreliable. It'll strand us in the desert. But do you see the contrast in verses seven and eight? But there is a way of trust in the Lord. So verse seven, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. All capital letters, right? Yahweh, God's personal name. Blessed is the person who trusts in God himself, whose trust is Yahweh. Verse 7, blessed is that person who knows his character, who knows who he's revealed himself to be. It's a safe place to stand when you know who God is and you give your life to him. Who knows his words. Think about Isaiah saying that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Do you want something that's reliable? It's God's character. It's his word and it's his promises. God has promised to set all things right. 
He's promised a new heaven and a new earth. He's promised that we belong to him. And that's a place to stand. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah says it's like, it's like being planted by a river. And your roots sink down, sink down deep so that you always have access to what you need to survive. So there are these two ways. This teaching is two ways. Uh, in the community I, I lived in before here, it was one of the western suburbs of Chicago, uh, Glen Ellen. And Glen Ellen does this thing every year on, uh, around the 4th of July called the Cardboard Boat Regatta. And uh, families and groups and businesses and, and neighborhoods, they all get together and they have very strict instructions and they have to build a boat out of cardboard. <laughs> and then they have to ride in this boat across Lake Ellen and back. <laughs> Right? And here's what's always interesting about the cardboard boat regatta. It's really awesome, you guys. It's a ton of fun. Um, is that the people who get in these boats are prepared to get wet. <laughs> right? And then there's all these other boats of, like, safety people, and they are not prepared to get wet. <laughs> because they are in good boats. <laughs> they are in boats made out of things that are supposed to be, that they're supposed to be made out of. Right? There are two ways to get across a lake. You could choose a cardboard boat, and here's the interesting thing about the cardboard boat. Sometimes it's awesome for a little bit. Sometimes it'll get you one half of the way down the lake, and it might even get you part of the way back. And then all of a sudden, you don't want to be in a cardboard boat anymore because you're going down. This is Jeremiah's teaching. This is the picture. What are you trusting in to get you across the lake of life what are you trusting in to give you access to the resources that you need to survive? Because there's a danger that we could trust in the wrong things. And those are the assumptions behind this teaching. There's really three quick assumptions. The first assumption is this, that we will trust in something. First assumption, we will trust in something. You and I, every single one of us, every human being that lives, will base our lives on some sort of expectation about how the world works. We'll base our lives on, on, on some idea about how we can get the most out of life, what is in our best interest, what's going to protect and provide for us. Jeremiah assumes all of us do this, that we'll put our trust in something. Scripture repeatedly warns about bad things to put their trust in. I, I've talked to people about this before, and sometimes people will say, I don't trust in anything. And I say, well, if you don't trust in anything, then you trust yourself. And there's lots of us in this room who, knew, who know maybe one of the worst things to trust is ourselves. Many of us, we trust in the resources that we have to be able to provide for us when things go bad. The resources that we need to defend a quality view of life and that we think gives life meaning. And we feed this implicitly to kids and students. And I know this because I talk to them because what they believe is that they have to get good grades in school so that they can get into a good college, so that they can get a good job, and so that good job can provide for a life for a good family, a good life for their family. And they've made assumptions about what the good life is, what it means to trust, what it, what it is that's good, and they've, they've made assumptions that it requires resources. You need money and things. Things aren't bad. But they're a dangerous place to put your trust. 
Some people trust in the power of relationships or true love or, or real, real connections with other people. Some people trust in an implicit expectation that the world will be fair. And so that if you do the right things, you will get the right outcome. And there's so many of us in this room right now who know that's not true. That life isn't fair. And unexpected things happen and they come. One time I, I bought as like a, an example to talk about trust. I bought a bunch of carabiners and I bought them on the cheap from Oriental Trading. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this would be great. We'll talk about like clipping into God and like you can trust him and everything. And then I looked at them really closely and they say, super big, not safe. <laughs> not safe. <laughs> and I was like, ah, this has totally undermined my whole plan here, <laughs> right? Uh, the problem is, this, you, there's so many things you and I, we put our trust in that should be labeled not safe. So many things that our world puts its trust in, whether it's their resources or their relationships or even their own ability to cope with what life throws at them, it should all be labeled not safe. It may get us partway across the lake, but it will sink. There's another assumption Jeremiah makes, and that assumption is that we will need to trust something. We will need to trust something. Did you see that for the shrub in the desert, that it dwells in parched places, that there's a a neediness for for water. It can't thrive because it's so thirsty. And then did you see that for the tree planted by the water, it will not fear when heat comes. It's not anxious in the year of drought. Friends, don't miss that drought comes to both of them. We will all face circumstances in our life that are beyond our ability to handle on our own. And it will expose what we trust in. It will test the things in which we have put our trust. Whether our trust has been placed in our own minds, in our own resources, in our own human abilities, or whether our trust has been placed in the living God of the universe, those things will eventually be exposed. We will need to trust in something. I think the third assumption is very simple. It's just this. Anything we trust that is not God will eventually betray us. It will eventually let us down. The final assumption is that in the end, if you rely on anything other than God, it will sink like a cardboard boat. So what do we do? If that's a teaching... If those are the assumptions, you may be like me and you may be sitting right now going, okay, but I, I want to be someone who trusts God. Like I want to. I'm not always good at it. I think I'm learning. This is something I desire. How do I know if I really am trusting in God? This is a hard thing. Josh, like help me. And so I thought we might explore then what are some behaviors of people who trust God? What might it look like for us to like actually live this teaching out? If we said, hey, I don't want to be the cursed person. I want to be the blessed person. I don't want to be in the boat that sinks. What does that look like? Here's the first thing it looks like. To trust is to stay close. We all know this. When you're, um, when you're with a little one and it's time to cross a street or you're in a parking lot or you're in a crowd or you're in a busy place, 
what do you do with that little one? We don't say, oh, go figure it out, kid. I'll be here when you get back. No, what do we do? We take their hand. And sometimes we hold on to it really tight, right? When it's time to cross the street, come hold my hand. When it's time to walk through a parking lot, come hold my hand. When it's time for us to go through a crowd, maybe I'm even going to pick you up because the safest place is to be as close to me as we can get. Friends, this is the same for you and I in trusting God. God's pleading with you and I to come hold his hand, to stay close to him, to stay connected to him because our hearts are so prone to wander. Our hearts are so prone to think we've got it. Our hearts are so prone to get frustrated or irritated or hurt and to walk away. But God says, stay close to me. Come hold my hand. Come get to know me. Sometimes I fear that so many of us have settled for knowing about God that we haven't realized we can know God. We may have even memorized Bible verses. We could tell you what the books of the Bible are. We could, we could tell you all the times that we've been to church. And the problem is we know all about him, but we don't know him as a person. We don't have the intimate conversations that you have with a friend. We don't, we don't turn to him when things are hard. We don't speak to him because it feels a little weird and awkward. You guys hear us say all the time, you know, pray, talk to God. And the truth is, I know it feels weird, right? <laughs> but the first step to trusting God is allowing yourself to be close. Don't let too long pass till you talk to him. Stay close to the places where he is. Stay close to the places where they're talking about him. Let your heart be filled with the things of Christ. I was talking to some folks in the Learning Center this week, and they said that they were, with the littlest ones, they were singing, Jesus Loves Me, and they got to the end, and one of the little kids went, who's Jesus, and why does he love me? Literally didn't know who Jesus was, which is awesome, because he's going to learn. Jesus is someone that he can know. To trust is to stay close. To trust is also to submit and obey. To trust is also to submit and obey. This is a hard one, right? Because to trust God is to look back at him and say, you know what's best. And any of us who have walked with Jesus for a while or are familiar enough with what he asks of us know that it is not always easy to obey God. To trust God is to do things his way and that can be tough. So for example, God asks us to be merciful and honest and kind to those with whom we disagree or who, with whom we're frustrated. And, and in a human way, that feels foolish. Do I have to submit to that, God? God asks us to be humble and selfless. And in a human way, that feels unfruitful. How can I achieve everything that I want to achieve if I have to be humble? Or God asks us to be generous and sacrificial with what we have to offer. 
But for many of us, that seems risky. But will we do things God's way? Will we trust him? Will we submit to his plans for us? Will we keep short accounts? Will we confess when we've done wrong? Will we trust that he knows what's best for us? And will we be willing to not always have it all together and not always be right? To trust is to stay close, to trust is to submit and obey, but finally, to trust is to rest. Not to sleep. Some of you guys really liked that. <laughs> the, the soul training from a couple of weeks ago was to sleep. <laughs> all right, so if you did that, I heard from a lot of you that it was awesome. You really liked it. To trust is to rest. That's something different. To rest in God means we look back at him and we say, everything is swirling around me. I have demands and expectations and fears and worries, but I trust you, God, and I'll rest in your sovereignty and your control and your goodness. To trust God is to identify and to let go of our desire to control things, to control every detail of our lives, to control every detail of the lives of the people that we love. To trust is to say God loves my parents more than I do. To trust to say God loves my children more than I do. To trust God is to interrogate our worries. What is it that keeps me up at night? What is, what is the eventuality that, that has me concerned? What is the way thing that I'm trying to manipulate and control to make it happen and trust says I'm gonna, I'm gonna look hard at those things and then I'm gonna interrogate them because it's not wrong to care about things, but it's wrong to obsess over them. And so you have Jesus in the Sermon Mount saying, who of you by worrying could add one day to your life? Who of you by worrying could add one day to your parents' life? Who of you by worrying could add one day to your child's life? Who of you by worrying could add one day to anyone's life? Jesus says, consider what's around you. God cares for the lilies of the field. Will he not care for us? We rest. To trust God is to interrogate our fears. It doesn't mean we're never afraid. It just means in the words of Psalm 56.3 that when I am afraid, I will trust in you, the psalmist says. That when I am afraid, we slow down enough. I'm afraid, I'm worried, I'm stressed out. God, I'm turning to you. I can rest in you. I think this last hallmark of trust is really resting because we know God's love is fixed on us. Friends, the love of Jesus is set upon you. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. And he says, I love you anyway. You and I did nothing to earn the grace and love of God, which means 
you and I can do nothing to lose the grace and love of God. Do you trust him? Are you grasping at things so hard you forgot what it means that Jesus is good to you, always good to you, and his love is set upon you no matter what? Have you let the world swirl around your eyes so much that you've forgotten the clarity of saying my life belongs to God? Whatever comes, I am his. Have you trusted in unreliable things so long that you have found yourself in a desert? It's time to be transplanted by a stream of God's goodness and faithfulness to you.